0: Well, good morning, church family. How's my 11 o'clock crowd feeling today? You guys excited? Awesome. Awesome. If this is your first time with us, my name is Pete. I have the joy and privilege of serving as the lead pastor. It's so good to see all of you here today. And if you're watching online, I wish I could see your face, but I hope you're doing well. Also, I look forward to seeing you back here in person. And if I could just say this one thing before I kind of dive into my message and just be real honest with you, not that I'm not ever not honest with you. But I didn't feel like preaching today. Is it okay to say that? Like, some of you are shocked, like, oh, Pastor? Like, I know that's a very unspiritual thing to say. Cause, and I know that all of you wake up every morning in the third heaven, you immediately fall to your knees and you're in the presence of God. And I know that's all of you, but like, I'm human. And so I woke up this morning after two straight 10 hour days of landscaping and hard labor with my wife being a taskmaster. No, she wasn't a taskmaster. You poked fun at me, I had to poke fun at you. (laughs) But no, I just woke up this morning tired. Like my body was beat up and exhausted and woke up this morning not super excited to come to church. I actually thought to myself, man, I wish I could just turn my alarm off, go back to sleep and call it good. (laughs) Fortunately, I got a great church that still loves me. (laughs) But you know, before I left the house, I have this every week. I will not leave the house without praying with my wife first before I leave. I I usually get up super early on Sunday mornings. My alarm goes off at 4 a.m., I usually leave the house by 5:30, and before I leave, I always pray with her just to kind of, you know, get our hearts tuned in. And I pray for her; she prays for me. And and God started to serve some things in my heart that continued as I got into the car and on my drive in, I put on some worship music and I said, God, I just I need to meet with you. I need some some refreshing. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to get me excited about this message. And and through the worship that was happening in my car, the, the spirit of God just filled my car, and I just was like. Thank you, Jesus. And he reminded me that we are in the middle of a move of God that has been going on for 2,000 years that we have the privilege of being a part of. Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell cannot, will not prevail against it. So there is no strategy of Satan. There is no global pandemic that can stop the advancement of God's church that we have the privilege of being a part of. And so I believe with all my heart that God has a message for all of you today. As we are reading revisiting a series that we did last week that kind of elaborates on one of our core values. Now, our mission as a church, if you've been around long enough, no doubt you've heard it probably a hundred times. We exist to help people know and follow Jesus step by step. That's our reason for being. That's our purpose statement. That's why we exist, to help people know and follow Jesus step by step and we do that through our three core values which are listed on the back of our bulletin and they are to reach and teach with excellence, to belong and become with authenticity and to love and serve with intentionality, that is how we do what we do we want to reach people who are far from God and teach people to follow Jesus step by step and we want to do it with excellence because excellence honors God and it inspires people We want to belong and become with authenticity because we can't become the people that God has called us to be until we know we belong in his family. And we can't belong in his family until we remove the mask and live with authenticity and community with others. And that's when we grow into the people that he's called us to be through community and through discipleship, living life and experiencing accountability and belonging and care. And we want to love and serve with intentionality, which is what we're going to talk about today love and serve with intentionality as i said last week we did a three-week series on this and today my goal is to get you to think about your responsibility to intentionally and purposefully love and serve your neighbor now some might ask with everything that's going on in the world today with the coronavirus is now really the the best time, the wisest time to get out and, you know, be around other people and and show people, you know, who we are by doing these acts of love and service. And I would say that now more than ever, you know, is our world in need of a demonstration of who the church of Jesus Christ is and what we're all about. The mandate that Jesus left the church does not get put on pause simply because of a pandemic that's happening. We have a responsibility now more than ever to inject hope into a hopeless society where people desperately need to hear and see something good and positive happening. A couple months ago, I did a series called Dressed for Success in which we unpacked the armor of God. And we talked about one of the reasons that Jesus gave us his armor so that we could move forward in the things that he's called us to do. Now what has Jesus called us to do? Well Paul says it in Ephesians 2.10 is we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has planned in advance for us to do. We are not saved by good works but we are saved for good works and from the beginning of time Jesus has planned in advance some things for you to do to demonstrate to the world who he is and who we are as followers of Jesus. And last year during the series, I presented this idea that at the central part of Christianity is this doctrine that God became one of us and dwelt among us. It's a doctrine that has enormous implications in the way that we live out our lives as followers of Jesus, because in becoming one of us, Jesus demonstrated not only what God was like, but whom God liked. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus was a hands-on God who elevated the dignity of everyone around him everywhere that he went. When you follow the life of Jesus and you look through the gospels at the way he interacted with the Samaritan woman and sick people and tax collectors and even a Roman soldier, Jesus went out of his way, to assign value to the very people that society had had designated as having no value at all. And Jesus called his followers to do the same. And when Jesus finally left the planet, his disciples had caught it. They understood what it was all about. In fact, the very first problem, if you will, of the first century church, was the fact that the, the disciples, the apostles, were involved with so many of the inner workings of the, of the church as the church began to grow. And in Acts 6, you can see that there was a dispute that arose about the distribution of food to the Hellenistic Jews who were being left out. And, and you know, they were so involved in loving and serving people that it was affecting their ability to preach and teach the gospel. And so they assigned some people to oversee that. But these guys who had spent three years with Jesus had finally caught it. Jesus who had washed their feet and removed all of their excuses understood that to follow Jesus means that we have to love and serve the least of these. And this is what became the hallmark of the first century church. No strings attached, compassion and generosity was the hallmark of the first century church. And it should be the hallmark of the church still today. Should be. Unfortunately, it's not for all churches. You know, as followers of Jesus, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes I get criticized for some of the things that I believe in. And I believe that while we might be criticized for what we believe, we should be famous for the way that we love and serve others, regardless of what they believe about God. Because everybody matters to God, even if God doesn't matter to them. So people can criticize us all we want for some of the crazy things that we believe in, but we should be famous for the way that we love and serve people. Imagine a world where people skeptical of what we believe are envious of the way we treat one another and amazed at how well we treat them. Imagine. And today, the church's role, our role, through our personal behavior and through our corporate behavior is to remind the world and show the world who we are and what we're all about, that red, yellow, black, and white, everyone is precious in his sight. And if you're not a Christian here today, if you're watching online and you're not a Christian, this is just one of the many reasons that I hope you decide to become a Christian. Because not only has Jesus paid for your sins and provided an opportunity for you to live forever with him, but he also, everywhere he went... Elevated the dignity of every single person around him and taught his followers to live the same way. And I don't know about you, but I want to live that way. We should be famous for our compassion and our generosity. And that's why love and serve is one of our core values. Because having experienced and been changed by the love of Jesus, we want to love and serve the people around us in real and practical ways. We want to be intentional about loving and serving the people in our community, regardless of what they believe, because everybody matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. And Jesus didn't put any stipulations on who we should love and serve. As you've heard the saying, I'm sure, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And since Jesus said that it was our love for one another that would show the world that we are his disciples, there is a lot riding on our ability to do this, so let's be intentional about how we do it. God put you on this earth to make a difference. I don't know if you believe that. I hope you do. But to make a difference, we've got to understand that we is better than me. We can accomplish more together, and as my friend John Spaszczak says, he's on the leadership council, the board of this church, and has served many of you in your real estate dealings. Um, He says, he in me makes we be. I like that saying. He and me makes we be. And we've been put on this planet to make a difference, and we is better than just me. Now, I love my city. I love Buffalo. I love this region. I love seeing the revitalization that's been happening in our city over the last couple of years. But when it comes to being a church in Buffalo, it's pretty difficult. You know, according to a 2017 study uh, that the Barna Group did, Buffalo was number five on the list of the, most, of the least Bible-minded cities in America. Buffalo is the fifth least least-minded Bible, Bible-minded city in America. And in a the study they released last year of the most post-Christian cities in America, Buffalo was number 13 on the list. So Buffalo is one of the most difficult places in our country to be an authentic and genuine follower of Jesus, which is exactly why I moved back to this area four years ago to pastor this church for this city for such a time as this, because the harvest is ripe, y'all. The harvest is ripe. And I'm convinced if we exist to help people know and follow Jesus step by step. How do we do that in such a difficult region? And I'm convinced that a lot of it boils down to us living out this value of loving and serving. Will we be a serving church? Being intentional about serving others. I think we have to be known as a church that doesn't just exist for ourselves, but we exist to love and serve others. As your pastor, I want to walk alongside of you. I want to shepherd you. I want to do life with you. But we have to realize that we don't go to church. We are the church and we exist for the world. Life Church Buffalo exists for people who don't yet attend Life Church Buffalo. So if you're looking for a church that exists just to meet all of your needs, I'm sorry to tell you that this is not that church because that's not the church that Jesus Christ founded. When he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of everyone teaching them everything that I've taught you. You know, in the New Testament, the cool thing about this is that this is the mindset, being a church that exists for others, this is the mindset that caused the early church to expand so rapidly like wildfire. In the New Testament, the book of Acts shows us how the church got started in the first century, written by Luke, who was a convert to Christianity around 65 A.D., Uh, wrote the gospel of Luke, which was all about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And then the sequel to that was the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, which kind of talked about, you know, the first couple decades of the early church's growth and expansion throughout the known world after Jesus had ascended to his father. After Jesus was resurrected, the apostles were basically given the mandate to go and tell everyone about this message of Jesus. And then... Acts 2 happened, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls and empowers a group of 120 people gathered together in an upper room to go and do what Jesus told them to do. And a bunch of people gathered around that house, hearing all of this weird stuff happening. And Peter, usually the first one to to open his mouth, gets up, seizes the opportunity to tell everyone. Said, "This is, you know, this is what, you know, was prophesied about. This is this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit." And and he told them all about who Jesus was and how people can find salvation through faith in Jesus. And it says that that day, three thousand people decided to place their faith in Jesus. And I find it interesting that even back then they were counting people. And a a lot of times we get criticisms, you know, from people when you're part of a growing church and and you count numbers and they're like, oh, they're all about the numbers. And I say unapologetically, yes, we are all about the numbers because behind every number is a name. And every name, behind every name is a story. And every single story matters to God. And even the first century church, the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record that 3,000 people made a decision to follow Jesus. You count what matters because people matter. The 3,000 people make a decision and just like that, this wildfire starts to spread. And there's a passage I want to show you that kind of summarizes what those new believers were all about. This was the reputation of the early church. In Acts 2.44, it says that all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, which is why we encourage all of our life groups to share communion together when they meet, because that's how the early church did it. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And as a result of this, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The reason people were so attracted to this movement, this this. Jesus thing was not a new building. It was not the lights and the music and, and all of that stuff. It wasn't the personality of a single person. Just like Buffalo is known for its chicken wings, generosity was the brand of the first century church. People saw how Christians were loving and serving others and how they, how they shared with what they had with those in need, and that is what attracted people to this movement known as Christianity. Now, so I want to think about this as it relates to our lives for a moment. Because we can go through life with one of three different attitudes. And as I go through these, I just want you to be honest with yourself today about where you see yourself. If you're taking notes, the first attitude that we can have is this one. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. This is the way of the animal kingdom. I don't know if you've ever watched like nature shows on like the History Channel or Discovery or whatever, National Geographic, where, you know, you see predators going after prey and they don't ask, hey, may I have this? No, what's yours is mine and I'm gonna take it. There was this one show I watched where there was this bear going from nest to nest and like eating, you know, these eggs of birds that hadn't hatched yet, like they were little appetizers, like a progressive dinner just going from from one to the next. You know, and the mama birds are freaking out, squawking, like, don't take those, those are my babies, and like pecking at the bear, and bear's like, what are you gonna do about it? Like, what's yours is mine, and I'm gonna take it. Now, there is a word for this, and the word is greed. Greed says, I deserve it, I want it, I'm entitled to it, and I'll do whatever I need to do to lie, cheat, and steal to get it. Greed is very easy to see in others, but it's very difficult to see in ourselves. Animals might do that because that is in their nature, but you and I have the responsibility and the ability to rise above this desire of, like, what's yours is mine, and I'm gonna take it. The next attitude that we can have is, what's mine is mine, and I'm gonna keep it. Now, honestly, I think this is probably where most of us find ourselves. I'm not trying to take what's yours, but what's mine is mine, so hands off, because I'm going to keep it. And the word for this is gather. We all go through life accumulating money, possessions, or just the next thing that we absolutely have to have. Now this one's a little bit tricky, because I don't think God has a problem with us gathering things. He doesn't have a problem with us having stuff, so long as our stuff doesn't have us. God doesn't have a problem with us having wealth as long as our wealth doesn't have us. And I do think there is a line that a person can cross when they're overly focused on trying to keep and gather everything that's theirs, but I can't tell you what that line is. I would just encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit and to show you, is there anything that I'm holding on to too tightly that I'm trying to keep that maybe the Holy Spirit is asking you, would you be willing to open up your hands and let go of it a little bit? You know, this is part of kind of our innate personality. You see it even in your kids from the, the youngest years. What's one of the first words our kids learn? Mine. mine, right? I have two boys and they play like brothers and they fight like brothers. And when one brother tries to take the toy of another brother, the first thing that you hear is, no, mine, mine. From the time they were like two and three years old, mine. And that's kind of, Our human nature is what's mine is mine and I'm gonna keep it. But is there something that you're trying to hold on to too tightly? Because it's clear that the early church didn't have this attitude. They had the third attitude, which I'm gonna show you right now, is what's mine is yours and I'm gonna give it. And when I look at these three, this is where I see my wife, Kelly. I find myself in the number two category. That what's, what's mine is mine and I wanna keep it. But Kelly is like, no, whatever we have, if you need it, we'll give it to you. She is a super generous person. In fact, there was a time a couple of years ago where somebody just wanted to bless us. They felt led to just give us $500. I said, you, you've been such a blessing in our lives, and now we want to be a blessing in your life, and here's $500, bucks. maybe you and your wife can get away, go on a little getaway, or do something, and, and I said, babe, isn't this awesome? Like, I can, you know, make a payment on the credit card, or I can even buy a sound bar that I've been wanting to buy for the last four years, which, by the way, I still don't have that sound bar, and this is like, this was three years ago. And she's like, yeah, we could do that, or WE COULD GIVE IT TO THE COUPLE THAT WE MET WITH A COUPLE DAYS AGO WHO are REALLY STRUGGLING FINANCIALLY. AND I'M LIKE, REALLY? (laughs) (laughs) I KNOW, I'M SO SPIRITUAL. I WANTED TO KEEP IT, BUT SHE WANTED TO GIVE IT. OF COURSE, YOU KNOW, SHE PRESENTS THE ARGUMENT AS THIS SPIRITUAL ARGUMENT, AND I WOULD FEEL VERY UNSPIRITUAL IF I WERE TO MAKE A CASE FOR WHY WE SHOULD KEEP IT. SO WE GAVE IT AND BLESSED ANOTHER COUPLE WHO WAS STRUGGLING FINANCIALLY. ONE OF THEM HAD BEEN LAID OFF. The word for this mentality is generosity. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. And this is how the early church lived. Let me show you an example of radical generosity in Acts 4. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. What's mine is yours. And so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. And one example of that was a guy named Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. That is radical generosity. Imagine, you know, having an investment like a house or a piece of land and selling it, and rather than using the proceeds of that sale to to buy the next big thing like so many of us do, instead bringing it to the church and just saying, here, use this for whatever the needs are in the church. That's radical generosity. They were a serving church. And now here's what I know about those three things. Between greed, gather, and generosity... Most of us, if not all of us, want to be known as generous. None of us would say, hey, I, I really want to be more greedy, so pastor, would you pray for me? No, we, we all want to be more generous, but we don't all do that automatically. We want to be generous, but it's just not in some of us, which is why we talk about intentionality so much, because if we're not intentional, we will drift towards either greed or towards gathering. Because in life, drift happens, and we never drift in the right direction. Did you ever notice that? When you're not intentional about the direction that you want to go, you start to drift, but you never drift in the right direction. And when it comes to these three mindsets, if we're not intentional about loving and serving others, we're going to drift towards greed or drift towards gathering. But here's the thing, we'll never regret something that we do in generosity. You know, had we kept that money and used it for a sound bar or something else, you know, had I thought about the opportunity to be a blessing to others, I might have regretted the, the gathering mentality, but I don't regret following my wife's encouragement to be a blessing and generous to others. You will never regret anything that you do in generosity. So the first thing towards becoming a serving church, I want to give you three thoughts, three steps, if you will, towards being more intentional about loving and serving others. How do we move towards this generous spirit? The first thing is that we need to understand, I've got to do what I should do, which in a word is obedience. Now, I realize that today there's people at different places in their walk with Jesus, different places in the the faith journey, But there are some things that if you're gonna call yourself a follower of Jesus, we just don't get a pass on. There there are things that, you know, you don't have to pray about, you don't have to think about. They're just things that you should do they are matters of obedience and faithfulness, okay? When I married my wife, I pledged my fidelity to her till the day that I died. But you know what? She doesn't come up to me at the end of each day and say, oh my gosh, Pete, thank you so much for being faithful to me. No, why? Because faithfulness is expected. It's what I should do. I should be faithful to her. She should be faithful to me. And vice versa, we should expect that. When it comes to following Jesus, there are just some things that we should do because scripture's clear that that's what followers of Jesus do. And when you look at the early church, giving was one of those things. Being others-minded and serving is what we should do. Looking out for the needy and taking care of those who have less is not something that any of us gets to pass on. And so last July, we launched our first ever Serve Day. Serve Day provides an opportunity for you to step out of the four walls of this church and be the church, to be intentional about loving and serving others. And we've got a collage of pics from last year's Serve Day where 165 people from our church participated in 10 different events happening here and around our community that had a singular purpose, no strings attached, compassion and generosity, to just love and serve our neighbors. And one of the things that came out of that, several people said over and over again, was like, man, that was so much fun. I didn't know serving people could be so much fun. Why do we only do that one day a year? Let's do that more often. And so because of that, this year we made the decision to hire Bethany Mazur to be our next steps and outreach director. See, she's been serving on staff as a volunteer for the last two years as our next steps director. But we wanted to fully resource the outreach arm of our ministry and say we need to have a staff person fully responsible to make sure I tasked her with helping us create a culture of outreach here where we would be intentional as a church to get out into the community and love and serve our neighbors. And so we've got another serve day coming up this Saturday and we're going to be doing more and more of these throughout the year so that you can do what Jesus told us to do, to love and serve others. You know, interestingly enough, my devotions this morning were from the story in John when Jesus washes the disciples' feet and says, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Go and do likewise. And I love when God speaks to me through my personal prayer time about a topic that I'm gonna be speaking on. It's almost like it's confirmation. God telling me saying, yeah, this is what you need to hear and this is what the church needs to hear. But I wanna say two things about Serve Day. And that is if you're, here and you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. You can sign up on our website, lifechurchbuffalo.com slash serve day, or you can use the church center app if you have that app on your phone. And if you sign up today, you can, before you leave, pick up one of these free serve team t-shirts. We want everyone serving at one of the 18 different events this weekend, being able to represent who we are to show our community who we are and what we're all about. Now, last year we had 10 events. This year we've got around 18. And there are still a good number of events that have plenty of openings for you to maybe step up and sign up and serve with your family. One of them is feeding the homeless with the Buffalo Dream Center. There's about four spaces available in that one. There's another one being led by one of our students, Hunter Johnson. I love that teenagers are leading the way in serving uh, with Adopt-A-Town, also known as Trash Tag. And this is a great one for anybody, maybe if you're watching online and you're not back in church yet because you're still nervous about being around people, but this would be a great opportunity for you because you don't have to be around anybody. Like this is social distancing to the max. You can do this one all by yourself. Just go someplace where there's a lot of trash lying around. Great places I have found for that is off the exit of a thruway. People always throw their trash off the shoulder of the road. Take a garbage bag with you, put a serve shirt on, go and pick up the trash and that's all you gotta do. Take a picture and use the hashtag Day. There's plenty of opportunities for you to serve. Operation Gratitude, we're gonna be writing letters to servicemen and women in our military and to veterans. There's room for families. Those of you who have kids and wanna know if there's something that your kids can get involved with. We're doing Love Rocks here where we just paint inspirational messages on rocks and then go out into the community and plant them in different places for people to find them, to encourage them. We're doing a returnable cans drive. There's space for five people in that one. And even if you don't participate at the event here, you can still participate in the event by bringing your own cans or going to your neighbors or your friends and saying, hey, we're doing this, this can drive here and the benefits are gonna, you know, the proceeds are gonna benefit. Hope for the Hurt, which is a, a organization directed by our own Logan Spascheck here to raise funds and awareness for victims of domestic violence. And so maybe you would go around and gather cans and bring them with you next Sunday, or next Saturday here the 15th and uh, be a blessing to our community. So many ministry partners that we're partnering with, there's too many to to list, from the Dream Center to the West Seneca and Lackawanna First Responders, Compass House, Compass Care, Buffalo Dream Center, Buffalo City Mission, The Goodness Project, Tri-Community Food Pantry, Kevin Guest House, Path is the newest one we just added a couple days ago, which is People Against the Trafficking of Humans which is a hot topic in our society right now, getting a lot of attention. And PATH is an organization right here in Buffalo, and they've got a new facility that they want to open up to the public, kind of an intake center. And uh, my wife contacted the director of PATH this week, and they've got some opportunities for us to come alongside of them and help get their facility ready to, to open to the public. So plenty of opportunities for you to sign up. If you haven't signed up, sign up today. Number two, if you have signed up, grab your serve shirt if you haven't, if you don't have one from last year, if you have one from last year, please use that. But if you don't have one, pick one up. It's free on your way out. We'll have another pickup day later this week if you, can't, if you forget to grab one today. But put this shirt on on Saturday and go out with excitement to represent Jesus in our community. Serve with joy and gladness because that's where generosity starts. And some people might criticize us when we say take pictures of wherever you're serving and when you post on social media, use the hashtag LCBServeDay. Why do you do that? It's like you're wanting to bring attention to yourself and like show off. No, there's a principle that what is celebrated will be repeated and we wanna celebrate the good things that God has called us to do because when we celebrate those things, it will be repeated and we want more people to discover the joy of being used by God in a way to bless somebody else. That's why Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that word blessed is the Greek word makairos, which means supremely blessed or happy in your soul. You think you go out to help other people and then you discover after you're done that you're the one that's really blessed. By the way, when we're faithful with little, that's when God can entrust us with more. And at the end of the day, we all want to reach the end, hearing the words when we stand before our Creator well done, good and faithful servant. Serving's not just what we do. A servant is who we are. We're called to follow in the footsteps of the one who did not come to be served, but to serve. That's who we are. So the next level to this, so the first thing is to do what I should do. It's just a matter of obedience, but the next level is to do what I could do, which requires some sacrifice. In other words, there are some opportunities that we could do, but it'll take a little sacrifice if we're going to do them. Instead of buying myself something else that I want or think that I need, maybe I would take that money and give it to somebody who needs it more than I do. See, one of the things about being a serving church means that we, as a church, we invest in new churches being planted. See, part of our missions and outreach budgets, we have different ministry partners. And, you know, there are several studies that have been done that say the best way to reach people in a city is to plant new churches. And so part of our missions budget goes towards that. We're connected to do two different networks that, you know, really helps plant new churches. And one of the networks that I'm a part of is called the Next Level Relational Network. And we get together a couple times a year, about 90 pastors from different parts of the country. And, you know, we're challenged. We learn together. We grow together. And two years ago in 2018, I was at this brotherhood conference uh, and... ONE OF THE PASTORS THERE HAD JUST LAUNCHED HIS CHURCH, HE'S A GOOD FRIEND OF MINE, HIS NAME IS SETH SWITZER, I GOT A PICTURE OF HE AND HIS FAMILY, HE PLANTED A CHURCH A COUPLE YEARS AGO IN MONTICELLO, NEW YORK, CALLED RESTORATION CHURCH. And one of the things about church planting, the first major hurdle, the first step in a church being viable so that it can sustain its course and accomplish the things that God has called it to do is to get the church financially stable enough so that the pastor can can be full time in the ministry. And because the church was brand new and only had a few people, Seth was working a full time job in the marketplace, he was bivocational. And being a full-time pastor, I can't imagine trying to put 50 hours a week into a job in the marketplace and then building the church in my spare time. And so us pastors got together. There were several people like him in the same boat. We're like, what can we do? It's like we asked this question, what could we do? What could we sacrifice to help make it possible for you to quit your job so that you can focus full-time on leading your church and reaching the people in your city? And I've never seen anything like it. I knew that we had a little bit of margin in our missions and outreach budget, and so I, along with 89 other pastors, pledged to give, you know, what we could to sacrifice what we could so that these guys could go full time in the ministry. And in five minutes, 89 pastors raised $108,000. It was incredible. My mind was blown. As two of these guys, Seth and one other guy were able to quit their jobs and go full-time into ministry and the other guy had just launched his, his mobile church and he needed some AV equipment and he was able to get a little bit of money to get the equipment that he needed. And I love that I'm a part of a network that is generous like that to equip and resource new churches to reach their cities for Christ. So my question to you is what could you do if you were willing to sacrifice something? What could you do? Because here's a truth that we need to understand. You can't leave a legacy in this world if it doesn't cost you something. You can't leave a legacy as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother. You can't leave a legacy as a business leader if you're not willing to sacrifice something. So maybe serving at Serve Day this Saturday would be a sacrifice for you. Maybe you've already got plans this Saturday. Maybe, you know, you plan on going to the lake Summers are so short here in Buffalo, so you want to maximize every opportunity to relax and vacation, go to the beach, or maybe you've, you know, got a project lined up at your house. Maybe you would sacrifice those plans to be a part of loving and serving the people of our community, which is why, by the way, I love our dream team so much because of their sacrifice to be a part of doing what we do every week. We couldn't do what we do without them. I think of people like Monica Orzakowski in the back in our control room right now who invests and sacrifices so much of her time on a weekly basis so that we can get the message of Jesus out. Hours and hours of her time. She comes in on Tuesdays for staff meeting and production meetings. She comes in on Thursdays to program lights and, and lead the rehearsal. She comes in super early Sunday mornings, spends hours during the week creating graphics like... They sacrifice. So to my dream team members out there, thank you for sacrificing so that the message of Jesus can get out there. What could you do if you were willing to sacrifice? Well, the third level to this, after what I should do, which is obedience, and then what I could do, which requires sacrifice, is to do what I would do, which requires faith. In other words, if you've ever had this thought or made this statement, God if you, maybe I can't afford to do this, and maybe I can't do this right now, but if you would ever do blank, I would do this. If you ever had this thought, like if money were no object, God, if you could provide the opportunity for me to do blank, I would do this. Maybe maybe it's a missions trip for you. I think every follower of Jesus should go on at least one mission trip in their life, because it'll change your life. And you get a global perspective and you see the way that God is moving in different parts of the world. And we had one scheduled this summer where several of our youth and several of you were gonna to go to the DR, but then COVID happened. COVID. It's like Seinfeld, you know, when it was like Newman. Now everything is like COVID. Dang COVID. But we're gonna reschedule that. And if you wanna go on a mission trip next year, I would encourage you to contact Pastor Beth. I went to India earlier this year. And we're going to do another one of those as well. So if you've ever had this thought, like maybe you need to increase your faith. Maybe you need more faith. Because if your dreams don't intimidate you, maybe they're insulting to God. I think big dreams honor God. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. How big is your God? Do you have this thought? of like, God, I want you to do something significant through my life. I want my life to count for eternity. So if you could do this, I would do this. Maybe you need some more faith. For me, as I think about our church and the dreams that I have for our church, I think, man, God, if you would allow us to create a culture here and build a church here that was known above all else in our city for being an irrationally and crazy generous church, that even people who don't agree with what we believe, when they hear Life Church Buffalo would say, oh, that's that generous church. That's that church that's always doing something in the community. That's that church that's always serving other people. That's my dream. God, if you would do that, I would do this. When I think about what we can do in the world, I want us to be able to make a significant impact in a, in a region, a targeted region of the world. And for us, that's been India, because our founding pastor here is now the national director of HBI Global Partners, which is the a mini- the missions organization based out of India that is literally evangelizing and discipling the-, the largest populous nation in the earth, India. Over a billion people, one-seventh of the world's population in that one nation. It's crazy. You know, practically speaking, when I think about this idea of faith, for doing what I would do. God, if you would do this for me, I think about somebody in our church who came to me uh, almost a year ago now when we were doing getting ready for the legacy project and this campaign to, to build a bigger building so that we could reach more people. He said to me, Pete, I really believe that God has spoken to me that I'm supposed to give $100,000 to the legacy campaign. But here's the thing. I don't have it. In fact, I'm tens of thousands of dollars in arrears. I've got so many accounts receivables out there that people just aren't paying. And so when he told me, I was like, yay, oh. And I don't know if I'm being honest with you that I even had the faith for him to come through on what he believed that God had spoken to him. Because in the church world, you grow up and you hear a lot of things sometimes and there's like crazy faith where it's like, is that really faith? Or is that just wishful thinking? I'm just being honest with you guys. But then God grew my faith about a month or two ago when this guy, after nine months of not seeing a penny come in towards the legacy campaign, walked into our church office with a check for $25,000 saying here's the first of the money towards what God spoke to me to give towards the legacy campaign. When he... When God spoke that to him, he said, God, I'm going to need you to move in a miraculous way in my business and in my life. Because I I would do that, but you're going to have to do this. So what are you asking God for? What do you want to do if God removed all the barriers from you? Because in Psalm 112 verse 9, it says, They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. I don't know a person here who doesn't want to have more influence and honor. The way you gain that is by being generous and sharing, doing good deeds. You want to have influence in the lives of people that you know that don't know Jesus? Find a way to love them. Find a way to serve them, because when I think about our church, I mentioned earlier about Buffalo being the least Bible-minded city in America and the most post-Christian. Think about the early church. There was no Bible. At least not that we know of, okay? The Bible as we know it today didn't come around till like the third or fourth century. So with no Bible, they took it into regions that had no knowledge of who Jesus was, and the church grew rapidly. Talk about being a post-Christian city. They were pre-Christian everywhere they went. It was virgin territory for the gospel, and the gospel grew. The church grew. The message of Jesus spread. And so when I look at our city, And I hear things like fifth least Bible-minded city in America and 13th most post-Christian city. I'm like, yes, it's ripe territory for the message of Jesus and for the church to grow. They made a difference in the first century. How? They served one generous act at a time. And it sparked a movement that hasn't stopped since. Too many of us are praying for another move of God, and I think God is waiting for us to jump on board with the movement that's been happening for 2,000 years. God has entrusted us for such a time as this, for our city, for Buffalo, to keep that movement going. And too many churches are full of people who think the church exists for them, and they are... Consumers, not contributors. But at Life Church Buffalo, you've heard me say this. We want to be spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. So, which one are you? Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you, Lord, for opening eyes and challenging hearts to the call of Jesus, which is the same as it's been for the last 2,000 years, that we would love one another as you've loved us. And so God, I think of what you told the person who asked you what the greatest commandment was. And you said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love others as I have loved you. And I think sometimes our lack of love for others or our lack of willingness to step outside of our comfort zone or sacrifice our time to serve others is really a reflection of the first commandment that we don't love you enough. We've allowed things from this world to replace our worship of you. We've grown complacent. We've grown weary. Maybe like me, I woke up this morning and I just wasn't feeling it. I didn't want to go to church. And maybe that's been your season for the last month, year, two years, where it's just like, God, I I don't feel you anymore. I I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And God, I just pray that you would rekindle the fire of our first love for you Lord, that you would help your church to fall desperately in love with you. And as we get to hear your heart, God, it can't help but result in a greater love for people because we can't say we love you and hate our brother. And So God, would you help first our love for you to grow? Would you make your purposes greater than our desires? Would you make your agenda motivate us more than our plans? Would you free us from the bondage of self-love and free us to love our neighbors? And God, I pray right now, I pray for the hearts of those who will be recipients of these acts of service, for those that will witness these, not random acts of kindness, but intentional acts of Christ-likeness, because that's really what you've called us to do, to be intentional about how we live our lives as we love and serve our neighbors. And God, I just pray Lord, that you would prepare the hearts of those who will witness and receive these acts of service. Lord, would you prepare the soil of their hearts, God? We know that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We don't have a harvest problem, we have a laborers problem. You told us to pray that you would, we would send laborers out into the harvest. And this Saturday, we have an opportunity to send laborers out into the harvest. And God, I pray that you would challenge us to step outside of our comfort zones, To stop making excuses for why we can't or why we won't serve, but to actually just do it because it's what we should do. And maybe some people here are being challenged to sacrifice something that they've been holding on to or to grow in faith, to believe for what you could do through them. So, God, wherever people find themselves, God, I just pray that they would receive what you want to give them today. And, God, that we wouldn't be a church that just exists for ourselves, we would be a church on mission who knows that we exist for those who don't yet know you. You've called us to reach them. So God, would you give us your love? Would you help us to walk in obedience? Would you increase our willingness to sacrifice? And would you increase our faith to believe for what you want to do through us in this city? We claim Buffalo for the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. This morning in prayer, as I was meeting with our intercessors, there was a word that was spoken that came from Joshua, who was called to go into the promised land. And there were three things God told Joshua, arise, go over the Jordan River, and tread. And as a church, that's a word for us, that we need to make a decision to be intentional to arise from where we are, to go over whatever boundary has been keeping us from walking in obedience to what you've called us to do. And I